Well, Matthew 6, verse 1 to verse 18 continues from uh, where we left off in chapter 5 on the Sermon on the Mount. Matthew, having presented to us Jesus as the true interpreter of the law in those six antitheses that we, we've been considering, he now, in this fourth section of the sermon, he presents to us the teaching of Jesus regarding the practice of righteousness. The theme is still the same. And in fact, it is the same main idea throughout the whole sermon, or throughout at least this body of the sermon. It is about righteousness. Jesus said that we are to rejoice when we are persecuted for righteousness' sake. And later on, he mentions that the, the righteousness of the citizens of the kingdom of heaven, the righteousness of his people, should exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. And the scribes, and the, particularly the Pharisees, were very well known for their righteousness in their day. But as we saw, as we, and as we've been seeing, their righteousness was actually not that much. It was just outward. And now Jesus continues... And he warns us about the danger of a self-promoting righteousness, of the danger of hypocrisy. Jesus goes on to tell us about what it means to be truly spiritual. It's the title of the sermon, True Spirituality According to Jesus. When it comes to spirituality, this is the main thrust his message is straightforward. When it comes to spirituality, to religious life, religious in the good sense. I know nowadays we, we tend to see the word religion as this negative word. But religious in the, in the old kind of sense. True spirituality, true religion. When it comes to that, we must be careful to avoid hypocrisy. That is a desire to please uh, ourselves or to please our, our fellow man. And we must pursue sincerity. That's the, the, the one sentence summary of this section. And it goes together. So often, and that's why we're going to take these three uh, sections together, these three uh, points together. It goes together from verse 1 to verse um, 18. It is the same one idea presented in three different forms. It, do, it has to do with uh, charitable works, true spirituality when it comes to our engaging with, uh, with other uh, people. It has to do with true spirituality and uh, when we engage with God, with prayer. It has to do with true spirituality even with self uh, and uh, with fasting. And that's what... But firstly, before we come to consider these three points, let me just give you the, the introduction of, the, of what Jesus says. In verse 1, Jesus says, Take heed that you do not do charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. The, the point, as he starts, the point that he's trying to make is that in practicing righteousness, we are not to practice it or exercise it in the sight of men. Because when we do so, it is conducive to self-aggrandizement, to, to boasting uh, 
about it, to propping oneself up. And he speaks about hypocrisy. You know the hypocrisy, the, the term in, uh, as it comes to us from the Greek, it's the same term, it's just transliterated to English. Hypocrisy in ancient Greece was the, the, the actor in a theater. He was playing a role. He was pretending to be someone that we are not, or to be something or someone that they were not. And the hypocrite, in the in literal sense of, of the word in the first century, was someone who wore a mask, who passed, uh, tried to pass himself deliberately as something that he was not. Someone who tried to make others believe something about himself that was not true. And Jesus is warning not to be hypocrites in our life when it comes to the practice of righteousness, when it comes to, uh, to working in our, in our lives. And this is interesting in the sense that it seems to present a, a contradiction here. If you've been paying attention to the Sermon on the Mount, you have noticed that in a few points, Jesus actually says that we are meant to be seen. Let your light so shine, he says. Let your good works so be seen that others may glorify your Father. But here he actually says, don't let your good works be seen. Although disciples should be seen to practice good works... We should be seen to practice good works. We should not do the good works for the purposes of being seen. That's what Jesus is saying to us. We practice good works, and those works should, uh, organically, naturally will be seen, but we don't do them so that people see them. We do them because we want to please our God, and that's the motivation our motivation is contrary to the motivation that Jesus uh, speaks of here about the hypocrites. The hypocrites, verse 1, they say they, they want to be seen by them. They do these things before men so they can be seen by them. But Jesus says true spirituality seeks not to be seen by men for the purpose of winning men's approval, but he seeks to be seen by God, to please God. Anything else is prideful. And contrary to the righteousness that we should be performing. And why is that? Because of the rewards. And this comes up in the three uh, points of, about uh, doing charitable works or almsgiving, if you are reading from the AV of giving um, and praying and fasting. It is because when you do things like that, you receive the rewards. Your reward is given. You receive what you have uh, that what you were looking for, you, you wanted the, the recognition of men, you received the recognition of men, therefore you have what you, what you were aiming at, there is no more reward for you. And I find it interesting, before we move to, to, the, to, the, to the first uh, point, I find it interesting that Jesus picks three uh, obligations, three... Uh, duties that religious pious Jews would look to as the 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 standard and the the 
the main obligations that a, a, a religious, pious Jew should uh, perform. These are sacred things for a Jew to give, to pray, and to fast. The point is, is that if we do it, um, or the point that Jesus is saying is that even these sacred things can be corrupted by our motivations. So let us look at the first one. Firstly, about giving, about uh, doing charitable deeds, about almsgiving, the, about exercising mercy to the needy. What are the things that we learn from this, from this first uh, section, from this first uh, example? Firstly, we learn that mercy is actually a legitimate uh, Christian uh, duty. Charitable deeds, giving, giving is one of the most uh, important things that we can do. Jesus doesn't say, if you give. Notice this is true of the other three example, two examples. Notice that Jesus says, when you give. Telling us by, by, by necessity, implying by necessity, that we are to do these things. That we are to practice these things. A heart that's been regenerated, a heart transformed by the grace of God, is a heart that is gracious. A heart that has received the mercy of God it is a heart that is merciful. And Christians should have open hearts, open pockets, even open hands and open houses. But what we see is that it cannot be ostentatious. We should not practice these things in an ostentatious kind of way so that others may see it. It is enough for us as Christians to do the right thing because it is the right thing to do. It is enough for us to do it because God is pleased by it. We don't need to blow a trumpet. We don't need to draw attention to ourselves. And, and this, I know none of us is putting any... Uh, uh, money uh, or giving to uh, a beggar on the street and drawing trumpets to ourselves. But the application of this is across the board, especially in our age. How many of us, and perhaps the older ones, don't really fall victim to this temptation, but the younger ones will know this. Uh, how many of us feel the need to parade ourselves in social media? That's all, all that social media is nowadays. It's a, a place where we go to, to showcase the best of ourselves, to put our best foot forward. If Jesus was preaching this in the 21st century, perhaps he would have made an application towards that in that regard. Don't go and post it on, on, on your social media, whatever it's the social media of the day is. Now, I, I probably will betray a little bit my age. Uh, I'll say Facebook, but I'm told that Facebook is only for, for, for older people nowadays. Instagram, TikTok, wherever it is. But if it was today, that would be the, the, one of the applications. And that, that is one of the applications for us. Be careful. What are you seeking? Why are you doing it? Why are you publicizing it? Because if you ostentate, if you, if you put yourself uh, up like this, you receive your reward. The word reward there is, is, is the word for wages. You receive what's coming for you. You, you receive in full payment. You wanted the praise of men. So here you go. That's the full payment. There's nothing else for you. That's, how, that's what Jesus is saying. It's the idea of a receipt. Uh, a receipt. You pay something. You get a receipt. And Jesus is saying, when you do those things 
to be seen by men, your reward, your receipt is given. That, that's what, all that you're going to get. You're not going to get anything else. But if you do it with the right motivation, Jesus says, if you do it with sincerity, that's the heart of true spirituality, you will do it in such a way that is discreet. Not even your right hand will know from your left. And it, yes, is hyperbolic. No, not, not with the fact that our hands don't have eyes. But it's a way of saying, do your best to avoid putting yourself up, to ostentating yourself. Because that which is done to your neighbor in secret, away from the spotlight is seen by your father in secret and he will reward you openly. Christ is warning against hypocrisy. And this calls for, for a sort of double circumspection. First of all, when we do something, we really need to um, ask ourselves uh, what is the ground and the goal of what we're doing, of our giving, of our, of our praying, of our fasting, but also to... To, to do it in such a way that God would be uh, pleased by asking what is it that God would have us do. The principal motive in giving, the principal motivation, the main in, uh, motivation in giving is what were the, the old Puritan William Perkins said, the glory of God in man's good and the good of man in God's glory. That is the, the main motivation, is to, be, to receive God's approval. Not to receive the approval of man, not to receive the approval of your neighbor, not to receive the applause and the accolades of, of your fellow men, but to receive the approval of God. And as William Perkins, I'll repeat it, says, the glory, it is to the glory of God in man's good and the good of man in God's glory. And then we move to the second example. We've dealt with, with uh, charitable deeds, with almsgiving, with giving, with having this generous, open, merciful attitude to our brethren. It, all of this is encompassed in the first example. And then we have the second example, more in relationship to true spirituality in the life of prayer. Again, uh, I'll mention this. A believer, a Christian, is one who prays. Jesus doesn't say if you pray. He says when you pray. There is no real, there is no true spirituality unless we are praying. Praying is the breathing of the soul as Spurgeon, uh, or the breathing out of the soul as Spurgeon used to say. The one who is born again cries out, Abba, Father. But what are the marks of this prayer? First of all, a Christian does not pray to draw attention to himself. Sometimes we, we, we fail at this, don't we? We pray, but we are so self-aware uh, and so aware of our surroundings, if, especially if we're praying in a group of Christians, that we're not really addressing God, are we? We're praying, but we're thinking about what so-and-so is hearing in this prayer. It is being made before men. And what Jesus is saying, don't do it then. Don't pray before men. Is, really, is Jesus really saying that we are not to pray uh, in the public gatherings of the church? No. But what he is saying is that we are to pray in public gatherings in the same way that we pray in, in, our, in secret. 
We are to pour out our hearts before God, in, even in public gatherings, in, in groups of Christians, in a way that is as if we're praying in secret. It, it is so often the, the case, isn't it? Many will, will, uh, will pray publicly, and yet, in their own private time, in the prayer closet, as it says, they will pray in church, but never regard, uh, pay any attention or regard anything in private prayer at home. That is the reality. So often, we pray publicly so that others may see us, but in the secret, we really don't have any desire to do so. And that betrays our intentions. That betrays our motivations, doesn't it? Because we only pray to be seen. The reality is that the, the Christian praying is not an actor on stage. The prayer of a Christian is the prayer of a broken sinner in the presence of God. That's why Jesus says, go into your room, into the deepest, uh, the, the, the word here for room uh, is a word that uh, is often translated as uh, what we would call in England, uh, the pantry. It's, uh, it's one of those covered rooms that has no windows. No one can see the, cl and event uh, eventually someone translated it, translated it as closet, and that's where we get the prayer closet from. But it would be a pantry, it would be a, uh, a place where you'd store goods with no windows so that no one could jump through the window or get their hands through the window and steal from you. It would be in the middle of the room with no one to see, with no door to the outside. It was the private place. That's the point. Pray in private because your father sees in secret and rewards in secret. So Christians are not to imitate uh, the... The hypocrites who love to pray standing up in the synagogues. And they love, as they say, the sound of their, of their own voice. And they stand on the corners of the streets so that they may be seen by men. The true believer, true spirituality is praying. And the reward of communing with God in prayer is its own reward. It is, it is the best reward. It is the delight that exists in this prayer. We are not to pray, Jesus also says, as the hypocrite, as the, the heathen do, do, with vain repetitions, verse 7. We are not to imitate pagans by multiplying words in vain repetitions. And let's be honest, in, in this place, uh, in this, in this, at this point, sorry, at this point, we actually also have to consider what, what is it vain repetitions, what is it the many words that Jesus speaks of here. And lest I uh, get accused of, uh, of saying something that uh, you would criticize me and say that I'm, uh, that I'm saying something that is not biblical, I'll protect myself behind someone that we all trust and love, uh, Charles Spurgeon. He says, a, Christ a Christian's prayer are measured by sincerity, not by duration. And you know what I mean. So often we, we pray long prayers, especially public prayers, isn't it? I wonder how many of us uh, pray uh, as, uh, as much uh, in our private prayers as we so often pray in our public prayers. And Jesus is saying it's not about the duration. In fact, the duration is, is, is secondary. It's about the sincerity of the heart. 
the, Greek, the, the expression here for, for vain repetitions were, is babbling. It's, uh, it's translated as babbling. It's, it's what we would say, blah, 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 blah. You're, you're saying a lot of things, but you're actually not saying num- nothing. It's foolish talk. It's empty repetition. It's what the worshippers of Baal in uh, Elijah's day did. They cried out day and night uh, for the whole day. It's, it's what the worshippers of the, the goddess Diana did in the book of Acts with Paul in Ephesus. Great is uh, Diana of the Ephesians. And they cried out time and time again. Richard Baxter, the Puritan, says this. The vain babbling of hypocrites who, sh- who cheat their souls with idle lip labor instead of spiritual service from the heart and the sacrifice of fools who offer God some outward thing while they deny him their hearts and holy obedience do proceed from this that they think to be heard for their much babbling. It is not about the length. It is not about the 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 the. The, the many words, the fancy words, it's about the heart. That is what pleases God. And Jesus goes on to give us an example of that prayer that pleases God. We won't look at it uh, sentence by sentence, although we certainly could spend a few uh, Sundays looking at this prayer. But I'll just give you a, uh, an overview. Jesus teaches his disciples to pray by not this prayer is not a, a formula to be repeated as so often Roman Catholics like to do. Pray, I don't know, pray a hundred uh, our fathers and uh, f- fifty uh, hail Marys. That's not the point of this prayer. It's not a repeated formula. Although you can pray this prayer, and it's often been prayed. What Jesus is teaching us here is that the heart of prayer is about the simplicity. There's no, there's no fancy words in Jesus' prayer. It's plain. It's unadorned. There's nothing uh, uh, l- uh, literary. There's no literary genius in these words. It's just the expression of the heart's desire. Of the heart's desire that every Christian should have. What is it that we want? We want... God's name to be hallowed. We want his kingdom to come, his will to be done. We don't want more than the things that we need for each day. Give us this day our our daily needs. We want forgiveness. We want protection from the dangers of our way. This should be the hard desire of every believer, and this should be the the template for every prayer of of a Christian. If there is a prayer, it, it, it needs to fit into the, at least the, the heart sentiment, the earnestness of this, of this prayer. And that also tells us something about the spirituality if you, uh, uh, of, the, of the content of a prayer. So often our prayer meetings up and down this land in, in, in our circles are plagued by prayers that are actually just telling God what God already knows. Jesus doesn't do that. Why? Because you don't need to tell God what God already knows. 
You don't need to tell God how to fix the problem. You don't need to tell God how many options he has. God, if you want to do this or if you want to do that. or if You don't need to say all those things. You don't need to use the prayer time as, a, as an opportunity to tell your brethren what happened to you this last week. You don't. It's meant to be simple. And if you want to tell your brethren what happened this, the, this last week, certainly don't use your prayers that should be to God in sincerity as an excuse to do so. That's, that's the, the situation here. Don't use your prayer as a, uh, an opportunity to engrandize yourself, to uh, put the spotlight on you. Even if you pray in public. If you pray in public, pray as if you're praying in secret. And thirdly, and lastly, true spirituality in relationship to fasting. And it's the same idea. What is fasting? Perhaps we know what giving is. We know what praying is, more or less. Uh, but fasting is something that is uh, sadly fallen out of, out of practice, fallen out of use. Uh, perhaps it is important for us to consider what fasting is, just quickly. Fasting, in a, in a very simple sense and in a very general way, is abstention from food in order to bring the body in subjection to the spirit. Fasting was done in the Old Testament by patriarchs, by the prophets, by kings. Jesus himself fasted. Apostles fasted. And his church history shows us that early Christians fasted. Someone said that fasting is abstaining from what is good in order to obtain what is better. It is not a way for us to twist uh, God's arm. So often I, you see people do this. or They will fast when, when they really want something. So it's, it, they use fasting as a, a, a sort of, let me try and twist God's arm a little bit. Let me tell you a secret. God's arm will never be twisted by our actions. Is to... God is not persuaded by our arrogance. Fasting is, a ple is something that is pleasing to God because it demonstrates our humility before him. But it's not a, a, a method or a tool of persuading him to do anything. Not more so than prayer. Would you pray trying to twist God's arm to do something? That's what fasting is. It's just a... a, a another instance of, of doing this in, in a very simple way of putting it. And again, it's not every fast for Jesus. It's when you fast. It is expected for, to, of Christians to fast. And it is a universal thing as well. I didn't say this, but it is a universal thing. All throughout the world, fasting it seems to be uh, very pre uh, pervasive. Sort of like praying. Every religion uh, has a sor uh, some sort of prayer. And every religion seems to have some sort of fasting. The Muslims do it. The Buddhists do it. Um, Jews do it, certainly. Roman Catholics uh, and Anglicans do it, uh, especially in the time of Lent. Uh, so Muslims do it in Ramadan. Uh, Jews do it during the, the Day of the Atonement, Yom Kippur. Uh, and, uh, and Christians, uh, especially of 
or no, uh, Roman Catholics and Anglicans and Reformed Christians, let me put it this way, uh, often do it uh, in the season of Lent or leading up to the, to the Advent uh, season, i.e. Christmas. So we are not to despise fasting. Jesus says when, not if. But we are not to use fasting as self-propaganda. Well, how is it that they did this? Well, they put a, a sad face. They, they would burden themselves. They, 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 just so they looked more virtuous. Just so that people look, oh, look, that person there is fasting. If it were today, again, they probably would put it in social media or something like that. But Jesus says, no, when you do so, don't do it like the hypocrites. Don't, don't put this sad face. Wash your head, uh, face, anoint your, your head. Make yourself to look like you're going to a wedding when you're fasting so that no one looks at you and knows that you're fasting. The point is clear on, on these three sections. True spirituality is not seeking to uh, please men. True spirituality is seeking to please God. And I know I quoted William Perkins a, a bit, but let me just quote him once more. We must learn this one thing which Christ principally intends. Here is Perkins saying, what is the point of these 18 verses uh, in our Bibles? In all holy duties, in all that we do for God, we are to avoid hypocrisy, endeavoring to do them with all simplicity and sincerity of heart whereby we truly desire to have God and not man, the seer and the approver of them. We are to do all of these things. That's a central message with sincerity and in desires that not man would see and approve of our doing, but in desire that God would see and approve what we're doing. And brethren, as we prepare ourselves to come to the Lord's table, I think it is a very fitting message for us. Sincerity. And lack of hypocrisy. In a moment, we will partake, or some will partake of this, of this table. And we will not partake, or we should not partake of these duties, uh, or fulfill this duty, which is a duty, with hypocrisy. Seeking to be seen. Seeking to, for others to see it. But we are, as Paul says, to examine ourselves and to do it with sincerity. Because these symbols, the partaking of the bread and the wine, are the symbols of Christ's sincerity and lack of hypocrisy. All that Jesus did in his earthly ministry, in his earthly life, was not propelled to be seen and applauded by man. But as our, uh, our example as our Savior, but as our example as well, he did them to please his Father. His coming to this world, the, the, the eternal God uh, incarnating and, and becoming a, a truly human being, a truly human uh, boy. His every miracle, his, uh, his every teaching, his every work, even his ultimate sacrifice on the cross was not done out of hypocrisy to be seen by men, to, to ingrandize himself, to, to build himself up. It was done to please his Father, to glorify his Father in heaven. His obedience was an obedience 
not like the obedience of the, the Pharisees and the, the scribes, but he was in obedience as the son of God, as a child of God, that, as ch children of God that we are, we are to act and behave in the same way. When we look to Jesus, we see a, f a heart fully devoted to God. So much so that his life, not only is that, was an offering, a pleasing offering, acceptable to the Father. And that's what these symbols represent. The offering that was acceptable to the Father. Symbol of a sincerity and authenticity. But as well, symbol of authentic community. It is not just a vertical, performed um, individually, but we perform it as a group, as, an, uh, as a congregation. 